Um, just for a few moments, um, I have more notes than 15 moments, minutes. Um, so I'll try and edit on the fly as best I can. Um, just for a few moments this morning, I want, to, I want us to take a slight detour uh, from Ephesians, um, just to do a bit of a kind of a collective family update, if you like, where are we as a church family, what do we believe um, that we are to be shaping ourselves around in this moment and moving forward. Uh, we often have these kind of Sundays early on in the year, early January, kind of a vision Sunday. Where are we? Where are we going? What we believe in God's doing? Um, and in one sense, you could say it's, it's a vision Sunday in that I want to point us in a direction that as a team, we're really living with a, a sense of um, purpose in these days in God and direction and clarity. But in one sense, it's not a vision Sunday in that, boy... It's a brave person right now that um, kind of says, I know exactly what's going on in the world. Um, but we know that God is at work in his church. And we know that God is speaking to us. And so if you're new here, can I just add my welcome to you? It's great to have you here. Um, by the way, my name is Colin, part of the leadership team here at the church. And um, just want to say you're so welcome. Um, hope you uh, get connected in and you uh, people are welcoming and making you feel at home this morning. But this is not um, in any sense just a, a just for us gateway. I want to I use this moment just as an invitation, whether this is your first Sunday, whether you've been coming for a few weeks or a few months or whether you've been here as long as Deb Bristow has. Um, how long is it, Deb? Long time. Too long, yeah. Um, and I want to use this moment just to say, look, we need to respond to God in this moment together. We have an opportunity, a moment in God that we get to respond to him together. So I just want to communicate a few things, a few things that are on our heart as a team. Um, let's get going. The first is this, that as many of you are well aware, and maybe some of you aren't, because this, you may, this may be your first Sunday, we... Well, before the pandemic, we were on two sites. We had the site in the east and the site in the west. And actually, before the pandemic hit, I was talking with Nigel and Al, and we were praying together with the, as a team and with our wives about um, just increasingly feeling that we were needing to move um, to bring the two sites back together, um, just in terms of uh, there was a whole number of things. Personally, I felt God was speaking to me about. And so we've done that over the pandemic. Um, and actually, in the sovereignty of God, I, I think it was good timing. Um, it was a hard call. You know, those kind of house move moments, those big change moments are always bumpy. I recognize that. They're never easy. It always causes emotion and that sense of just disruption for a moment. But I still feel it's the right thing that we have brought the two sites back together. But it does mean that there's a whole load of... Uh, things that we kind of have to go and in light of that say, well, how are we going to do that now? What does that mean for X? What does that mean for Y? Um, and so on and so forth. And one of the key things fairly quickly we've had to begin to re-grapple with is what's the shape of us as a team, um, structure, how are we doing leadership at Gateway? And I don't want to bore you with that um, and spend ages talking about it, but just uh, in a nutshell, just... Quickly, I want to say that um, back in September, we've invited 
four couples to join with us as elders and wives um, to come and grow the team, basically. To come and connect with us, to uh, be a part of the team. Um, we're journeying with them to explore if eldership is something that God is calling them to. And I wanted, I wanted you to be really aware that we, we want to grow the team, we want to expand the eldership team. Um, we know that we need more elders, we know that that would be good for us as a fat church family. We need more gifts, we need more, um, just a breadth of diversity in us. Uh, and I was going to make a joke then, but I won't just go back. Um, and so we've invited a group of people to journey with us, and those people are Robert and Anita. Um, you will have met them on the way in, I'm sure. Um, Ebenezer and Malika. Where are you guys? Oh yeah, over there. And by the way, Malika is a trustee of Gateway. Um, this isn't about getting Malika busy. This is... Um, Graham and Shirley. And Callum and Casey also. Uh, Graham lives in communion, and Callum was playing guitar. But you probably know who they are, and if you don't, go and say hi. But we've invited these guys to come and journey with us for a season. Um, our, the purpose of this is to explore, as I say, is God calling the guys into eldership? We want to be intentional about that. We're not saying, this is not me saying, on this day, we're going to lay hands on these guys for eldership. This is just me simply saying to us as a family, look, we're wanting to grow the um, eldership team. We're wanting to increase the, the leadership team here in Gateway. We felt that for a long time. Um, and I want you to know for two reasons. One, that I, I don't think eldership teams and teams should be kind of secrets and secret handshakes and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're a family. I want you to be aware of that, where we are and what we're living with. But also, I want to ask us as a church family to please pray. To please be praying for us as a team. To please be praying for these couples over this season, over this coming season, um, as we journey this together. We are full of faith. We're full of expectancy. But we're not wanting to put anybody's arms behind their back. We're not wanting to put a burden on um, couples and families that they shouldn't have to carry. So we really are journeying. We're spending time together. We we're eating lots, which is. I think the best thing that teams can do, eat and pray. Um, um, and, and so we, we want to do this journey well. We don't want it to be a forever and a day journey. We'll, um, we'll come back at some point and say, look, this is where we're at. I don't want it to just be something that goes uh, off the radar for us as a church family. But please, can I ask us to commit to praying um, as a church family for us as a team and these couples in particular in this season. That being said, um, elders, pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, teachers, you know, they're not the ministers of the church. You do know that, don't you? They, they, their role is to equip the church, to enable the church to live as God has called us to. And in fact, where Graham started this morning that we, the body, together are ministers. We, the body, together are ministers of reconciliation. We are given to one another to build up and encourage and strengthen one another to, to do the work of ministry of the kingdom. Each one of us has a part to play in that. And so the purpose of expanding the team isn't to kind of cover more bases. Please hear my heart in that. It's not so we 
run a slicker show, not at all. By the way, this isn't a show and we're not after it being slick, but you get my point. We want to expand, we want to um, grow the team because we've, one, we feel it's what God's doing. Two, we think it will help bring uh, life and uh, a depth to us in this season that we, that we need, actually. And so I hope, uh, I hope that is enough just for now. Please be free to ask any of us questions about it. It's not a secret. Um, please be praying for us as I say. Thank you. Right. So, for a few moments, I just want to um, talk about what it is that we sense, um, both us here in Gateway as a team, um, many of you I know also have talked to you and um, over the last season, but what it is that we sense that God is speaking to us about in this moment. I'm, I'm going to read it again because... Um, I think it's important that we remind ourselves of prophetic words that God has spoken to us about. But you'll remember that back in, I think it was 2019, around March 2019, um, there was a Regions Beyond Leaders gathering that took place. Regions Beyond is our wider family of churches. Um, and a prophetic word came to our family of churches at that time, uh, early 2019, so before the pandemic, that said this, I believe God is taking us into a new era. It's not a change of season as it's not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape which brings about such a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognisable by those who've experienced them before, and one can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally different. And boy, are we in a new era. I don't just mean gateway, I mean... The world. The world is in a new era. And when this prophetic word came, I remember it, we felt like God put it on our hearts. There was something that just caught our attention. Um, it was so helpful and encouraging through the early days of the pandemic, just saying, yeah, God's spoken to us about a season of change. He began to ready our heart for change. Um, not that I think any of us were necessarily expecting a pandemic but I'm and I hope that that prophetic word isn't new to you that we've been talking about a new era for a while but what I am aware of and as we've met as a team and been praying together um, I'm aware that that language of new era in some sense uh, Graham's word it's quite nebulous it's quite uh, hard to get hold of intangible if you like it could mean a hundred things or it could mean one thing we what does that really mean um, and I just want to, for a few moments, just say, uh, put a bit of flesh around, what does that mean? That phrase, new era, for us. What is it that we believe God's doing? How are we to respond? There was another quote that I came across early in the pandemic, which I loved, and it said this, when the soil of your life, your church, and your city has been turned upside down, there is a window of opportunity to plant seeds. When life is turned upside down, there is a window of opportunity to plant seeds. And Jesus in John 15, he tells us that he is the gardener who prunes the vine to make it fruitful. Bearing fruit is a costly process, but one which 
is essential. And I believe that over these um, last couple of years, God has begun the work of pruning our old patterns of being, our systems, our, our mindsets. He stripped away activity and being busy from us as a church family in order that we become fruitful. So just very quickly, let me just say this, because I know you know it, you don't need me to spell it out for you, but society is changing rapidly. Uh, many sociologists are saying that we're coming to the end of an era that kind of went from uh, the end of World War II to now where baby boomers, uh, accumulation of wealth, and you, you, you'll have it better than your parents, and life is getting better and better and, and easier and easier and more comfortable, and that's the direction that everything's flowing in, and Sociologists are now saying that era, that way of being that the world has operated in for the last, uh, gosh, 60, 70, 80 years or so is now coming to an end. That, that old era is finishing rapidly. That we, in that era, we've trained ourselves to become used, particularly the church in the West, to comfort. We've trained ourselves in a model of discipleship that kind of reflects the culture around us. Well, everything's getting better and better, and if we can just make church a bit more polished, a bit, a bit tidier, a bit more professional, a bit more slick, I can, you can invite your neighbours, and they might come into a building and go, wow, I didn't know this was what church was like. It's like, a, it's like going to a, a theatre show. It's like going to a performance. It's like going to a, a, a kind of community club. But this period of smoothness of ease is rapidly coming to an end. Let me just name a few things that kind of, um, please don't boo or cheer to these because that doesn't really help, but Trump and Brexit. I'm not blaming either of those, I'm just saying. The pandemic and how we respond to it. The polarisation of those two things that is taking place. People moving to their way of being, their way of thinking and being more increasingly fearful of people that think opposite to how I do or how you do. Black Lives Matter, Me Too, nationalism, vaccines or not, masks or not, freedom or not, extinction rebellion, climate change. How we produce energy is rapidly changing. I was just uh, reading about YouTube just recently, how we uh, consume media, online is rapidly changing to very, very short videos. Nothing in depth, just very short, very shallow. It will have a huge impact on us. Huge geopolitical change. We've had a hundred years of America kind of, um, I wouldn't say this carefully, but leading the way, um, shaping culture, influencing governments, that is rapidly changing. And sociologists are saying, a bit like 1984, if you've ever read that, no that um, novel, that there's going to, in the days ahead, become three uh, power influences that shape the world. That of the US, that of the EU, and China. So it's going from one centralised power that shapes and influences the world in America, now it's shifting to three. Ethics are rapidly changing. And we've been through this pandemic, and I think that through the pandemic, it's, as I said, I think last week even, all the pandemic has done is highlighted 
what has always been in society. And so for, you could say, listen, racism, social injustice are not new things that we've suddenly discovered from the, since the year 2020 and say, oh, we better do something about that. They, they, are, they have been there and the pandemic has shown us that where we thought we were getting better and society was getting better, it's saying, no, these things are absolutely present. Society is broken. And then what typically happens as well, um, as you read sociologists, is they talk about how one, uh, when one part of society begins to fracture, it's like a domino effect, and then suddenly other things begin to get hit and affected. So, so suddenly we, we have a pandemic and there's not enough fuel. And that leads to a crisis. There's not enough computer chips, and that's going to lead to a crisis. The world is changing. Society is changing. We are coming to the end of an era, and we are at the start of a new era. People are moving out of cities at this point. That's something that is a huge uh, tr change in trend, that people are moving from cities to uh, more regional areas where it's cheaper, where it's greener, because they're able to work from home. And the reality is this, that many sociologists would say that actually what's happening right now in the culture around us is that we're moving from what has actually been a, a very abnormal period of history to what is much more normal in history. We're moving from everything being comfortable, which no point in history has the world ever known. The world, you know, the last 60 years or so, the world has, that's a, that's a bubble in the, on the, on the um, timeline of history. And it's being popped. And we're moving now to increasingly a much more normal state of affairs where there is not this sense of everything's okay. Everything's going to be right. Don't worry, you'll be fine. In fact, most of the world still live like that. I mean, not everything's fine. Most of the world still live with this sense of, I don't know where my food's coming from. I don't know if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. I don't know if there's going to be war and those kinds of things. And we're finding that we, this, this end of this old era is coming, is coming very quickly. And many of us are shocked. We're kind of numbing ourselves to it. I think it's absolutely apt that the Bible says, do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because we are at a point now where, and you know, we, we believe that God's spoken to us prophetically about this. An era is finishing. There's a new era coming, but we've not been this way before. We don't know it. And right now, okay, my temptation and many of our temptation is to say, well, let's just get on and, and make this new thing happen. But here's the point. We don't know what it looks like yet. We haven't been this way before. And our job as the church is to respond to God in this moment. What the world needs more than anything right now, what the person sitting next to you needs more than anything right now, what the person you sit next to at work or college needs more than anything right now is that you, follower of Jesus Christ, pursue intimacy with him. Wow. <laughs> um, it's all right, it's only one time. Um, that you pursue intimacy with him. Two times, okay. Right, right, listen. That's what the world... Oh, on Zoom there was a... Uh, Cockerel crowing, whatever. Anyway, um, the world needs you, Christian, 
to fall in love with Jesus, to walk with him, to know him intimately. That's what the world needs in this moment. That's what you and I need in this moment, is to fix our eyes. Um, I was at Fresh Brick Church the other Sunday as they were appointing Dave Davidson as the lead pastor there, and they, they were announcing their verse for the year, um, which is this, set your eyes not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. We have been, this last year, fixing our eyes so often on the things that are seen. All of these things that I've just listed are catching our attention, are causing worry in us, even at a subconscious level, if not uh, day in, day out kind of thing. But we, church, need to fix our eyes on Jesus in this moment. But not only has society been changing, but church is changing also. We've had a massive shift of church. We are Right now there are people on Zoom, good morning, and there's people in this room. We, church has experienced this massive shift. We haven't, I don't know anybody in this room who would say, well, I went through a season of life when we were unable to meet with God's people, maybe because of personal sickness reasons. But not at any point in our history has the church not been able to meet in the way that we have. We've had to adapt, we've had to change. But I want to just for a moment just say, okay, if that's where we are, society's changing, the church is facing change, what, what, what of this new era? What is it that we're focusing on? What is it that we're calling ourselves to? You see, I think advance, not in the sense of progress advance, but, but I'm talking about the church, sorry, I don't mean progress, I mean moving towards God. Renewal in the church happens in moments of disruption. When things are going well, we, we have no desire, no impetus to, to seek change, to seek change. We just kind of go, well, this is, this is great. It must be great. Everything we're doing must be fine because more people are coming. Um, things are getting better. But no, in this moment, we have an opportunity to push into Jesus in a way that we haven't had in our lifetime before. To experience renewal in our own lives, not just us as a church, because of this moment we're in. We're at a moment where I want us to be living going, God's doing something new. What a privilege to be alive. Not just, not just kind of going, well, like he might do, I'm just going to wait and see, but actually, no, it's the church living full of faith. God is doing something new. Tim Keller, uh, a year or so ago, he was being interviewed and he said this, the entire Western church for a thousand years has assumed a Christendom culture. And now that and now that it has gone, the church has no way of reaching people. It doesn't know how to talk to people, how to get their attention. It doesn't know how to share the gospel in a way that makes sense to them, even if they do show up. The majority of the church in the West is still waiting for people to show up so that we can connect the dots. He's not, he's not beating the church up. He's saying something is changed in the church culture at this point. The way that church has been done historically is now finished. And so I want us to look at this moment that we're living in, not just kind of heads down, getting on with life, hoping I've got my job next week, but asking ourselves this question, how can this new changing environment that we, church, are part of, that we are caught up in both by being citizens of this um, community, in wider community in which we live, but also for us 
as God's people? How can we get hold of this and see it as actually something good that God is doing? God is in control. God is doing something new that actually, I want to state it like this, couldn't have been done before. Because our thinking, our desires, wasn't aligning itself for change. And I want to say that personally, as a, as a leader in this church, I, I want to ask for your forgiveness, where my desire for us as Gateway, I, I feel like I've been praying about this and asking God's forgiveness, I've, I've carried Gateway as an idol in my heart for far too long. God, if only we can get it a bit better, and then more people will come, as though, as though church and the kingdom of God is simply uh, a quantity issue of more, more, more. Doesn't that just smack of the culture of the world in which we live? And I want to ask your forgiveness, church, where I've led with that in my heart. If we can just make it better, if we can just get a few more people, if we can just keep growing, if we can just get a bit more money, then we'll, able to be, then we'll be able to do just a bit more. And this last two years, God kind of says, you can't build that way. That's not what I'm asking of my church. And I want to just be honest with you, I feel like even for us as a team, we are beginning to learn to lead from a different way, a different perspective, a different starting point of prayer, of getting before God. Sure, there's much to learn. Of course there is. That doesn't mean to say management isn't the bad word, by the way. Organisation, organising family, organising church, organising community, togetherness um, takes organisation. It takes skills like Nigel and Al and Callum and Emma and others who, who can kind of say, we've got this, we're going to make us work well, we're going to make us function. That We need that as a church. We need that as a family. Absolutely we do. But as leaders in the church, our job isn't to be organisers who, who say, come on, come on Sunday, we'll, we'll make sure it's, it's a good enough show that you go kind of say, well, it was all right today. Our job is to pray and call us as a community to be deeply committed to God and to one another that just as Cass was saying, we, we learn that actually live without masks before God, that he's for us, that he's called each one of us to his plans and his purposes. Because here's the thing, this new, this moment we're in, regardless of what the lie of the land looks like over the next five years or 50 years, we are at a moment of huge opportunity of discipleship and evangelism but not just because it's a change moment. Please hear my heart on this. It's not just because, well, everything's changing, therefore we can change the way we do things. We can restructure ourselves slightly. But because we're entering back to a period of normality, of not this bubble, comfort, living perspective that actually is the real pandemic for the church. Comfortable church is the pandemic for the church. Trying to make it nice. I mean, I think it's great we've got coffee on tap, but it's... Let's not make ourselves comfortable. The church does not flourish when it's comfortable. And so we have this amazing moment, this amazing opportunity for evangelism and discipleship to be done in a new way. Because actually what's happening is we're, we're getting back to more of a normality of what life is really like. And in that moment, God is saying to his church, not just Gateway, but his church across the nations of the world, I want you to walk with me. I want you to prioritise life with me. I want you to know my son. 
I want you to stop trying to, to, to put the um, spit and polish on church that has actually caused us to, be, to live lives in such a way. I had three people this morning say to me, how are you? And I said, fine. That that is our default. There is a pandemic in the church. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not trying to point at any one of you and say, oh, it's, it's your fault. I'm saying we have trained ourselves into a way of discipling. Don't, it's still discipleship. It's just discipleship that isn't centered around Jesus. We've trained ourselves to do church in such a way that it's actually really hard to break out of that way of being. You can't do control, alt, delete. Whatever one that does anyway. And we've trained ourselves into a way of being the people of God that actually isn't necessarily, I'm not saying it's way off, we still love one another, we still encourage one another, we still want to um, sing songs, psalms and uh, hymns to one another, we want to teach the Bible to one another, we want to call one another to life in God and mission, please hear my heart. I'm not saying everything we've done is rubbish and we should just forget it all and, right, the history is bad, now we're really getting going. I'm not saying that, please hear my heart. But what we haven't done as a church and what we've not been good at, and this is my fault, is, is we haven't called one another to say, what does it mean to belong in Gateways? It means that we are going to call you to give yourselves to one another, but first of all, to give yourselves to becoming like Jesus, to knowing him, to making that priority above everything. We're going to lovingly challenge one another. We're going to lovingly speak truth to one another that's sometimes painful. We're going to lovingly equip and call on and promote following Jesus as our starting point. The reason for our gathering. And so I just, as you go this morning, I want you to think of why am I really going to Gateway? And some of you might go, I have no idea actually, now you mention it. But why do you gather with the people of God? Because... If you haven't got a, a solid answer for that that says, actually, what, what it enables me to do is to, to press into Jesus and it helps me to call others on in, into their walk with Jesus likewise. If that's not really what your answer is, then I'm not, I'm not sure what you're here for. Hear my heart now. I'm not saying go. I want to call you to make that the answer. Say, I want to put Jesus right at the center of why I gather with God's people. Because, boy, a church family's disruptive and challenging and noisy. And it, I couldn't concentrate because all the kids were making a load of noise this morning. And this, that, you know, we have so many dynamics. And we've trained ourselves to shop for churches based on what we like. How we like it. We've trained ourselves to shop for churches based on a few theological, doctrinal issues that might be important, probably aren't that important. And we've got to train ourselves to be a church who are absolutely in love with Jesus Christ. Who love to gather and declare his praise. Who love to gather with God's people and say, hey, how are you doing? I said, Thank you, I'm so glad you asked. It's been a crap week. I feel, I feel we've got to get bold as a church. God is asking us to break habits with the past. 
God is renewing us. He's calling us back into what does it mean to be a people who follow Jesus. I tell you, when leaders are concerned about volunteer rotors, that again, we're a family, things need organizing, things need doing. People serving is part of being a family member. It's a healthy thing, it's a place we honor one another and we actually grow in faith as we serve. But when leaders are concerned about making the thing happen, have we got enough volunteers? Something is wrong in the church. And I would say that over the last, I don't know, I don't actually know how long, but maybe over the last however long that I've been part of the leadership team here, in my heart, I think I've had a picture of success of Gateway that if we grow, being fruitful as though that's the issue rather than hey, what's the quality of my walk with Jesus and what's the quality of your walk with Jesus and so we need each other because community is essential to discipleship but hear my heart on this just because you're among a community of God's people it doesn't mean that you're following Jesus in your life. That's a decision of the will. And so why should we bother? Because church, we are called to proclaim, as we said last week, the unsearchable riches of the Son of God as the living temple of God. We're revealing the mystery of God, demonstrating the wisdom of God by the Spirit of God to the glory of God. God, God has invested himself into us. That literally, as Graham said, we are called to be a priesthood, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. And being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean I go to church on a Sunday. I mean, that will be part of it for sure. But it means I've chosen to follow him and shape my life around him and obey everything that he has commanded me to be. And so we're at a point where we, we, we feel like God has caught our attention on discipleship. This new era actually isn't about chucking a load of programs, a load of courses, a load of, um, a load of the answer to this isn't to chuck, to just establish a load of programs and courses as though that will make disciples. This moment that we're in is actually about calling us as a community to give ourselves to God afresh. To prioritise following him in our lives. We've got to be really careful that we don't create some new disciple-making campaign. That for the next three months, we kind of go, right, we've got to make disciples all of a sudden. Right, done, tick, we've made disciples. No, we're calling us to a depth of intimacy with God, of desiring God, of walking with him that goes on through our whole lives. And so that's really where we are right now. And you kind of say that seems a bit simple to say that the direction is we want to, we want to call us to discipleship. Well, well, yes, we want to learn what it is 
to be a community of people who walk with Jesus, who give ourselves to him, who learn his ways, who learn to be with him and do what he did so that we can go out effectively full of God, full of his spirit into a dying and hurting world. Far too long, I think the church has, in the West in particular has looked like the world around us rather than like Jesus. And I want to call us in this moment to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And the thing is, we kind of go, yeah, that's what I've been doing all the time. You do realise that following Jesus is a call to radical lifestyle that flies against the face of the society around us. Jesus was despised. He hung out with the prostitutes and the drunkards. He was hated by the religious people. And we go, yeah, I want to I follow Jesus. He says, come, follow me. Come learn my ways of being. So I've got to finish now, because it's way past. Um, and so I'm not giving you the answer of, well, this is what, this is what it would look like. This is what we're doing. This is exactly now the programs and the courses we're going to roll out for us. What I, am, what I hope I'm making clear is we want to put out a fresh invitation of come, follow Jesus. Come and know him. Because discipleship, following Jesus, is always an invitation. It's what I, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, it's what you said yes to when you placed your faith in Jesus. And we want to call us in this coming new era to learn what it is to have a culture among us where we say, we are actively, intentionally following Jesus in our lives. We are growing in Christ's likeness. Please hear my heart. I'm not talking about moral behavior, although, yes, if you love me, Jesus said, obey my commandments. Absolutely. But we want to call us to a depth of relationship, a desire to be in Jesus' presence. And so we, we've just shaped a couple of things for the beginning of this term. Um, not to say, oh, this is it, this is the answer, but just as a point of invitation to us. So tomorrow evening, we're going to have an evening of praying together here. I think it's 7.30. Um, look on the email that you were sent um, from Callum earlier in the week. But we're going to have a, a time together of praying. It will also be online. But can I encourage you, if you can be here in person, be in person. We want to pray and begin to pray into this as a church. We want to begin to, to put our, our money where our mouth is. We want to go stand on that ground and say, God, would you come in this new era? And do this thing among us. This term, we, we, we're not discouraging people from meeting in groups and connecting in that way, but as we were thinking about this term, what just sprung up in our heart was a desire to call us as a church family to say, come on, we want to regularly be getting into Jesus' presence in worship. And so we're going to, starting on the 23rd of January, Sunday 23rd, in the evening, we're going to have a, uh, a time of worship and pray. Uh, worship and praise, just being in God's presence. It's not, don't come expecting necessarily a full band. We just come in saying, God, we want to hunger after you. We want to learn what that looks like among us. And we're going to be doing that fortnightly um, through uh, the next part of this term. At the end of this term, uh, late in March, we've got 40 days of prayer where we're going to give ourselves to God in prayer and worship. And really, we just want to say, really simply, we, there's not a master plan in this. It's a desire to say we want to learn what it is as God's people. To be real with God as Kassar. To walk with him humbly. To worship him intentionally. 
We, right now, I just want us to recognise we're in a weird moment, the, the ending of one era, and we're waiting to see what this new era begins to transform like, but it's in this very moment of flux. It's in this kind of in-between point that, as the church, we get to respond. See, people without Jesus have to wait to see what the light of the land is. Well, is there going to be an America tomorrow? Who knows? Is China the new superpower? Who knows? Are we going to have any energy production next year? Who knows? The world has to wait and see. But those who are followers of Jesus get to right now say, I'm going to stand with him. I'm going to place myself alongside him. I'm going to walk with him. And so we haven't got to wait. We get to say, God, come do a new thing among us. Renew us, revive us as your people. And so I want to call us, church, in this moment. Listen, my heart in terms of shepherding and leading is not, is not kind of saying, my, my goal isn't to roll out a big plan. My goal is to say, Jesus, I want to know you. In this moment, I want to know you. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to know your power. That's why Paul goes on in a moment, in the next part of Ephesians we're going to get back into next week. But Paul says, I want to pray for you, church, that you know Christ. Not that your church is all shiny and nice, but that you know him. And that's my heart in this moment. And I want to just finish by praying Paul's prayer over us. If you stand, um, just from Ephesians, end of Ephesians 3, I just want to pray this over us as a church. Just to say, if, you, if you're kind of going, yes, this is where I'm at right now. I'm wanting to fall in love with Jesus. I just very quickly, three resources that are superb resources. One, if you're struggling to get into the word of God, the Bible Project guys have released a new app, um, which you can download which is absolutely superb. If you want to, if you get stuck in the Bible, if you just want to grow in understanding the Bible, um, it is a phenomenal app that walks you through God's Word from all kinds of uh, aspects. Download it, uh, look at it. Likewise, if you're struggling to spend time with Jesus in the day, um, like a quiet time in the morning, or uh, just spending time with Him in the evening, and you're, you're struggling in that rhythm, uh, Lectio 365 app by uh, the 24-7 prayer guys is a superb resource it's um, just a time for uh, like a meditation uh, devotional app that you can play Emma and Phoebe listen to it every evening before Phoebe goes to bed in her bed it's just a, a great way just to centre yourself on Jesus just to still yourself for a moment and then the other thing I want to advertise I've said this before but I don't know how many people have actually connected in with it it's the Chosen if you've watched the Chosen series on YouTube or on the app, put your hand in there. I want to encourage you, if you haven't watched this, to, to watch it, to watch it as a family, to watch it as couples. Uh, to watch it by yourself, that's fine, of course. But this, this is about uh, Jesus and his followers. And it, I'm not kidding you, it has revolutionized how I've thought about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is a superb production. Um, go online, look it up. Um, but it's really uh, just such a helpful tool in this moment. And I think it's a, a God-given tool, again, to Jesus' church in this moment to say, are you following him or are you doing religion? And then the last resource that we have, of course, is one another. I want to encourage you in this moment to not be um, just looking after yourself, making sure your silo of life is full but to look around this family. To say, make yourself vulnerable, just like Kaz is saying, just go finding somebody and saying, 
I just walk with you for a bit in life. I don't just mean, can we have coffee? Can I walk with you and just share where I'm at? Can you pray with me? Encourage me? Can we read the Bible together? I'm just struggling to get into the word of God and I just need somebody to encourage me in that. I'm just stuck in life at the moment. I don't know what to do. Would you, would you come alongside me? And likewise, to look at people in this body and say, I've just got faith for you. I just want to know you. I've not, I've never said hi to you before, but I just, how about we get together and just spend some time worshiping Jesus and encouraging you, church, are the resource for one another also. And I want to encourage us to open our lives in this moment to one another. But Paul's prayer, please um, just be before God right now as we read this in closing. Paul said this, because of all that Jesus has done, because of all of God's purposes, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, church, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he said this, I pray for you, church, also, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the, all the fullness of God, that that may be your measure. Now, church, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in you and you and you. The church may be glorified in you in these days. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so, Lord, we just literally close by saying, Lord, we thank you that you have disrupted our lives for the sake of your gospel. Lord, we are thankful. And Lord, we want to be a people who have eyes of faith in this moment to say, what an opportunity I have right now to once again set my walk with Jesus on the right course. To bring it back to being about him, being with him, learning from him, doing what he did, delighting myself in him, calling others to walk with him too. Lord, we say, do a new thing among us in these days. Breathe on us, renew us in these days. Lord, we say, strip out anything that doesn't bear fruit. Throw it away, Lord, we say, but Lord, would you renew us for fruitfulness, Lord, that we would be a people who deeply love you in our generation and stand apart from the world looking like shining stars, soul and, and light in our generation. So, Lord, we say, do it by your spirit, we pray. Jesus, build your church in this generation. Renew our love for you. Lord, we pray for a radical abandonment to your purposes and a desire for your glory in our own lives, we pray. Lord, reset us where that needs to happen. Holy Spirit, come have your way. For the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.